The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey Inc. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC. A registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group. Helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. Good morning. Rashini Rajkumar here. You are listening to Your Money on WCCO Radio with hosts Bruce and Peg. Today, they are going to discuss that toolbox, your financial toolkit Part two, if you were with us last week, you heard part one. You can certainly uh, get the podcast of that if you didn't hear it because there was some great information. Today, you can text us or call us on 651-461-9226. That's a new number, so let me tell you that again, 651-461-9226. That's live today. But then, of course, all week you can ask your questions of Peg and Bruce at 888-6-ADVICE or email yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. Here's Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor Peg Webb, and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Good morning, Bruce and Peg. Good morning, everybody. Hi, Peg. Hi, Rashini. Uh, everyone uh, is good today, it sounds like. Very I'm good. loving today. Today it's sunny. It's motivational, just looking out. Do you know that the, the leaves are actually changing in Minnesota already? I know. I, I It's it's such a funny thing, and, and it probably is a little bit like this every year, although I think it's more dramatic this year. It goes from those hot, humid, long days to all of a sudden the days seem shorter, the air is crisper, the leaves are falling from the trees, and it's almost like the flick of a switch going from summer to fall. At least this year it feels that way to me. Yeah, but it's fun. It's I love the changing seasons. I do too. So, Peg, do you want to talk a little bit today about uh, financial planning uh, as you go into retirement or after you retire? Do you know, I love this topic of retirement because um, we're quite versed in it. it. It just so happens that when people call us to say, oh, I, I'd like to introduce myself to you guys. I'm, I'm looking for some help going through this uh, huge milestone of thinking about retirement. And I would say, Bruce, that most people come to us probably five years or maybe two days before they retire. They like to uh, come and check in with us to see, number one, if they're on track or if you're two days from retirement and you just decided you woke up this morning and you're going to, you know, go in on Tuesday and say, hey, I'm going to retire. Uh, you can you can contact us to or, or get a financial advisor to talk to. I think it's important. But so, Bruce, what I do with my clients is because a lot of times they don't have a vision of what this retirement is going to look like. And I don't blame them because when you have a full-time job, a lot of times that takes so much of your energy and your time that you don't think about the vision or the future. So I came up with this list and this is kind of like, I looked at it from what would Peg Webb do? Like 
for me to think about retiring, which I'm not, you know, at this point, but <laughs> if I were, I've got this piece of paper and literally I carry this around with me. I know it's old fashioned. But number one to be is what inspires me and motivates me? So if I were to retire one day, I, I kind of want to know what what that is, because I think that would then gravitate um, me towards things that I would enjoy. But then the second one was, well, what would I do with my days? So I'm a visionary. So I literally can look at myself and go, okay, well, I'd get up in the morning and I'd do this, I'd do that. Third is, what organizations would I contribute my time? I'm passionate about a lot of things. And I feel like I uh, have value that I could contribute to uh, charities and things like that. Number four is to stay active. So then I make a list of, well, how would I stay active? And then lastly, this is a biggie too, how would I stay mentally challenged? And that's one that I feel like a lot of the clients or the prospective clients I talk to, they fear that this job of theirs is the one that keeps them challenged, mentally challenged. And so I'm finding too on the backside of retirement, that's where the, the clients actually um, need more coaching than even retiring and like, oh, I'm gonna golf today or I'm gonna go for a walk today. It's the mental part that they, uh, that they also wanna talk to us about. You know, Peg, everything on that list is really outstanding, and that's really comprehensive. Um, I, I'm seldom that detailed with clients, but that's really, really, really good. I'm going to probably steal some of that. But I do talk to clients, you know, when they think about retirement, I do talk about having a sense of purpose and staying on a schedule. And it's just been my experience over these 37-odd years that when the people that retire – that still have you know a vision for what life will be like and have a sense of purpose and stay active, they tend to stay healthier and enjoy life more than those that become very sedentary. And so I, I do give that advice, and we do talk about that next step or that next phase of life. And then we talk about you know how much money it's going to take for that phase, for that vision, depending upon what it is. And everybody's different. No two people are exactly alike. But, you know, in our, in our industry, I, when I first got into the industry, kind of the rule of thumb for retirement planning was to be able to achieve 70% of your working income. And that always struck me as crazy. Why, why would my goal only to have 70% as much money as I had while I was working? When I retire, isn't that when I want to go do things? I have a, a time now. And a chance to enjoy life, all those years of labor, now I can enjoy the fruits of that labor and check things off my bucket list. And can I really do that and have the lifestyle I want on 70% of my working income? So I think we can do better than that with clients if we get them uh, early enough. And the other thing, Peg, I think, and we've talked about this on the show, but it bears repeating, I think someone that has never retired before just presumes that when they retire, they're going to spend a lot less. And it makes sense to, to think that. A lot of costs associated uh, with going to work will go away. Uh, you're not contributing to a company retirement plan anymore. You don't have travel costs or wardrobe costs or eating at lunch costs or whatever. A lot of these things go away, but they're replaced by the new things in your life. And again, I, when I use the term bucket list, people know what I mean by that. 
the things that you want to do before you leave this world. So I, I know you would agree with me. We generally see people spending go up the first several years after they retire, which is fine as long as you account for that and you know that in your long-range planning. That's, that's totally doable, totally acceptable, and we've seen that and we expect that. And then finally, and I'll take a break here, I, I feel like I'm uh, over-talking, but a lot of the planning that we do when we talk about financial tools and our toolkit and strategies and planning, a lot of the planning doesn't even become applicable for our clients until they actually retire or at least are in the home stretch going into retirement. And I think that surprises a lot of people also. Yeah, and, and I would add there, Bruce, is uh, there's a lot of anxiety around where their paychecks are going to come from when they walk out that door. And so we work hard on trying to illustrate and prepare people for creating buckets that they can live on and have the comfort that they don't have to worry whether the stock market's going to be up or down on the day that they retire. And so that pre-planning uh, lessens that anxiety, but also, once again, just to put a little a bow on this talk about this retirement vision is a lot of times people just need someone to talk to to talk out loud about what that vision is. And most people are walking around and they kind of have this vision in their head, but they haven't had anybody ask them to, to uh, articulate, you know, what that vision is for them. And we have to know that because we then put dollars to that vision. Like how much is it going to cost for this vision that you have? Because the last thing I want is people to be disappointed after they've worked all these years, then they retire and go, well, this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. So (laughs) (laughs) then another uh, tool is diversification. Now that word I think is overused, but last week we mentioned um, over-investing in your 401k. And by the way, if you missed last week, part one of this financial toolkit, you can go to wealthenhancement.com and under resources, it says your money and the podcasts are there. So Rashidi mentioned that you could uh, go listen to it and that's how you can access it. But there is such a thing as, uh, you know, over-invested in your 401k, just which just means you haven't paid any tax on your 401k. And I call this, you have a huge IOU to the IRS because you've decided that through your um, payroll that you're going to do a, a deduction immediately and then that money is going to grow tax deferred. Well, in essence, you're saying, you know, I would rather earn money on money that I would otherwise pay Uncle Sam, and that way I'll have a bigger number that's compounding. But then when people retire, that's when this IOU to the IRS comes. So I like the concept, but I just don't like you to take 100% of your money and put it in that uh, deferred bucket. And what do I mean by that? You need different kinds of diversification. You need asset diversification. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. You should have risk diversification, some safe, some uh, riskier for the long term, and then tax diversification, which I just talked about. Don't leave everything with a big IOU to the IRS till you retire. 
Hey, Peg, would you do me a favor? And, and, and I know this, the spiel too, but I think you do it better than I do. You do it better than anyone I know. And again, some listeners that, that listen every week or listen frequently are going to go, oh, you're doing that again. But I think you can't do this too often. So what you really just kind of touched on is what we would call the three buckets of money, or if you even elaborate, we talk about the your money matrix. And this becomes critically important at retirement because the way you invest when your you, your portfolio is going to provide your paycheck and it's not just growth anymore is going to be a little bit different than before you retire and you are primarily looking for growth. But then people say, well, gosh, I can't have growth because then I have risk and now I'm retired and I can't afford to have risk. So do that. Do the three buckets in the money matrix thing because you do it so well. Well, and I think, Bruce, it is important because one of the first exercises we do if a prospective client comes to us and they just, they they pretty much give us a pile of their statements and holdings. And what we do is right away, we fill in the boxes, if you will. So the boxes are, picture there's nine boxes. And the first column, the first three uh, boxes are um, taxable. So if you get a 1099 on something where you may have bought a stock and you get some dividends, you're getting a 1099 from that custodian. Uh, and then the second three boxes, and this is actually vertical now, is your tax deferred. And that's what I was talking about with deferring in your 401k, your IRAs, where you still owe the government uh, when you start taking the money out. And then the third column is tax advantage. That would be like Roth IRAs, uh, municipal bonds, life insurance, something that has a tax advantage uh, type of investment. So then on the left side, and that's why I said three boxes under each, is because then you have short-term, medium-term, and long-term. Well, what does that mean? It means that when would you utilize that money to create a paycheck for the rest of your life. And so the first thing we do is take all those papers and lots of people have all sorts of things all over the place. We plug in all their assets into this money matrix. And then we talk about their retirement vision and what's their need of cash. And then we have to suggest, and a lot of times we do suggest, and we don't have to, but we do suggest that we start to work on moving that money around in these tax type of buckets and safer uh, investments versus long-term investments. It's amazing, Bruce, in that once we go through that exercise and we look at uh, the client and what they have and then what we propose, they're more comfortable with the long-term money, understanding that that's in that long-term bucket and that that has a purpose in itself versus I find that if people don't understand a purpose for every single bucket of their money, that's when they have high anxiety when the market goes up and down. So not only is this a great tool for tax diversification, creating paychecks for the rest of their lives, but it also helps with the anxiety factor of going from getting a regular paycheck to creating your own and understanding that there really is a plan for the future of where that paycheck's going to come from. 
Yeah, and, and again, I know we talk about the money matrix a lot, but we can't talk about it too often. And I tell people, Peg, all the time, you know, people are worried about a market retraction. And I think the big crash of 2008, which technically started in the fall of 2007 and went to the spring of 2009, I think to some degree that has forever changed people and their risk tolerance because they're like, I, you know, I could never survive that again. But you actually can. And I tell people all the time, look, our clients were not uh, immune from a retraction on their account balances in 2008 when the, when the market fell roughly 60%. But none of our clients had to change their lifestyle because of the money matrix, because we didn't have them selling stocks, locking in losses when the market was down. So this, this segues into what we would call retirement income planning. And at the risk of being self-serving, there's a lot of people in our space that can help people manage their assets or grow their money. But a lot of those same firms don't, don't want to help their clients spend it. And we literally will sit down and show our clients how they're going to get a paycheck for the rest of their lives and where it's going to come from. And it might not be the same place every year. It may change from year to year based on performance of investments and tax consequences and so forth. Yeah, and right now, Bruce, uh, just as an example, we're actually taking profits uh, off of the stock market long-term bucket to replenish some of the short-term buckets because we don't necessarily know what the cycle is going to be the next five years. And so uh, to be able to just manually uh, observe and recommend uh, what, what to do to create those paychecks longer term I just think listeners should know there is a real human element to uh, creating paychecks, you know, for the rest of people's lives. And once again, we're taking profits right now and moving some of that long money short. Um, Rashini, we got a couple things to hit on yet this half of the show, but maybe we can start to uh, inspire some listeners uh, to ask some questions. Absolutely. People can text in or call in today it's a new phone number so memorize it write it down 651-461-9226 get your questions in for peg and bruce today we still have a little over half an hour so let us know uh, your questions on all of these toolkit topics that bruce and peg are talking about peg what else do you want to make sure you hit on here in the first half of the show well, I don't want to, you know, be a balloon popper here, but uh, one of the tools is also your estate plan. So now I'm talking about, yay, it's exciting, it's time to retire, and how do you get over to the other side of creating these paychecks? Another tool is the preparation for the what if. Um, you know, we don't we won't, don't want to necessarily think negative, but just like an emergency plan we talked about last week, which is just a Debbie Downer, right? Oh, keep six months of your money in, in cash for the what ifs. This is thinking about if something were to happen to you, you know, a gift to your family would be to have all your finances in order and make sure that they're going to go in a way that you, you know, want to specify. And, and to do that, you actually need to set up some legal documents like a will or a trust or name your beneficiaries on your accounts. And that's the kind of detail that we want to make sure that there's a, um, 
a check mark on, yes, we've talked to our clients about it. It looks like the direction that um, they would like if something were to happen. And more and more clients, Bruce, when, when you get into your 60s, 70s, and 80s, you know, it, you, you witness your friends and family, something happening to them. And what I find, Bruce, is that's when it's more motivating to these people. They're saying, guess what happened to my friend? You know, I know you talked to me about this financial um, estate plan. I better get mine done. Right. Um, what else? we got about a minute. Well, the other thing is, is just to make sure that you have all your documents in order. So once again, we help get them in order, but, you know, um, a budget or when it comes to tax time, if you don't have your documents in order, then it takes you hours to even prepare to either self-prepare or to uh, get your CPA prepared. What I find is that a lot of people aren't prepared, and then when they take their documents in, the CPA doesn't know whether they took advantage of this strategy or that strategy. The great news is, is we review that um, with our clients. Well, Rashini, uh, we must be coming up on time for a break, and then uh, we'll tie any loose ends up in the second half, and we'll let listeners drive the rest of the show. Yeah, and to remind people, Peg and Bruce are helping you with your financial toolkit for retirement. And, of course, this show, Your Money, is always preparing you for retirement, but some real terrific pointed advice today. So get your questions in. Call us, text us. Our new number is 651 461 9226. That's 651-461-9226. And of course, during the week, you can email Peg and Bruce your money at wealthenhancement.com. So lots of your calls and texts when we come back. Peg and Bruce are happy to answer all of your questions. We are back. Rashini Rajkumar along with Bruce Helmer and Peg Wambon, your money. We're talking about your financial toolkit. People have questions and Peg and Bruce have answers. 651-461-9226 is the phone and text line. Let's start with Bruce, who's on the line from Stacy, Minnesota. Yeah, good morning. Um, hopefully this is a simple answer to the question, but if you inherit a 401k, do taxes have to be paid on it? Hello? Peg, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. So this gentleman, uh, Bruce, is asking if taxes need to be paid on an inherited 401k. Well, I, I know Bruce said this is probably a simple answer, and it actually is quite simple in that a 401k is an employer plan, and if indeed the 401k contributor, the employee, put in the tax-deferred option, and the reason I say that is because now with a 401k, we actually have a couple different options. We can choose the box that says defer my tax, or we could choose the box that says I want to pay my tax and I want to contribute to a Roth uh, component in that 401k, then that actually is, is grows tax-free. So I tend to believe that Bruce, you know, your person that, that had the 401k and they, and you inherited it probably has a lot of taxable in it. So as a general rule, if you inherit a tax deferred 401k, 
then you're liable for the taxes. The second thing is, is the taxes you're liable for, the rules just changed recently, January 1st of 2020, and it says you need to have the money out of that inherited IRA by the 10th year. So that means that you could not take any withdrawals for 10 years, but then you would have to take it all out on that nine years, 364 days before you are at the 10-year mark. So there is some extra plannings to do now with the taxes when you inherit a tax-deferred plan. And so I would suggest that, I'm glad that you asked that question, but I would suggest that people who are listening to this show make sure that they know the new rules because they recently changed. Okay, good information. We have some calls and texts coming in. We are talking about your financial toolkit today with Peg and Bruce. Call us at 651-461-9226. Don is on the line from Medina. Good morning, Don. Devin, did we lose Don? No, says he's still there. Don, you there? All All right, right, let me see if I can get him. Okay, yeah, we'll see if we can get him. But uh, Peg and Bruce, we have some texts coming in. Uh, One person says, retiring in nine days, uh, working with Jackie out of the Sartell office, she made retirement possible at 60 years old. Well, that's a nice shout out. Yes. Oh, congratulations. That is just so fun. And, And I actually love to live through these clients' lives. I mean, I just the anticipation of that day and then once they retire and it's so fun to watch them to see what they're going to do. Uh, Jackie is actually out of our state cloud office. Uh, Thank you, Jackie, for making these clients uh, happy and excited about retirement. And then just as a shout out, you know, Wealth Enhancement Group pretty much surrounds the city of Minneapolis. And if people are listening in our state or What's so fun now, uh, Rashini and Bruce, is I'm hearing more so from clients and prospective clients in all different states, uh, coast to coast, because they uh, go to our website, wealthenhancement.com, and listen to our podcast, or they've heard from someone, or they used to live in the Midwest, and now they ventured to a different state. So uh, congratulations on your retirement, and thank you, Jackie, for being a great uh, team member. All right. It is wonderful to hear those things about your colleagues. All right. We think we have Don. Don, are you there? Hello, Don from Medina. All right. I'm not, we're not sure what's happening with Don. So let's get back to our text questions. Again, you can call or text us 651-461-9226. This person is wondering, this is, can you discuss gifting strategy as part of the toolbox specifically the tax ramifications to both the giver and the recipient. Hey, Peg, I'll let you uh, carry the weight there, but just uh, for Rashini and Delvin, I do hear Don when we try to take his call. So I'm going to Delvin. Don, go ahead. Go ahead, Don. Okay. Yeah, my question is about a... There's Don. Okay, Don, yes, thank you. Hi, Don. Thanks for sticking with us, Don. You bet. Okay, my question is about a Roth IRA. The, I'm under the impression that a Roth IRA, the proceeds from it, are tax-free. Now I'm hearing that Minnesota taxes part of that. Can you help me out on that? My question is, does Minnesota tax a portion of the Roth IRA proceeds? 
Thanks, Don. Thanks for your patience. Peg, can you think of an example of when a state would tax part of a Roth uh, IRA proceeds? Well, what I would say is that every state is different, Bruce, so I don't have that all memorized. But what what, uh, Don is asking is, so on the federal level, if you pay tax, um, and, and, and then it would be called after tax money and you contribute it to a Roth IRA. Then the, the growth on that also is tax free from a federal level. Then, um, you would have to look in your individual state to see if that would be taxed, um, by the state that you live in. As far as I know, I don't believe Minnesota taxes, uh, uh Roth IRAs. It's kind of interesting because I still see Roth IRAs as precious money where I don't have a lot of clients utilizing that to pay for things in their, in their lifetime so far because we've been so focused on trying to grow those tax free. And with the market so good over the last decade, uh, it's been kind of a preference to just let that, those ride and grow. So um, I don't utilize the the tax situation on a Roth that often in my practice. Yeah, I want to add a little bit here. I I, I think I'm trying to think what Don could be referring to. Um, I'm not aware of any state uh, that deviates from the federal mandate that as long as you allow that money to stay in the Roth for at least five years or until age 59 and a half, whichever is longer, then the distributions are income tax-free. And I think all 50 states follow the federal guideline. Um, I know those of us that live in Minnesota like to complain about our state income taxes, but in this case, Don and listeners, I think the state of Minnesota is innocent. But I, I'm tra- I was trying to think what Don might be thinking about, Peg, and there is a, uh, a, it's it's a little complicated to try to explain on a rate on the uh, in the time we have on the radio show, but he might be thinking about Roth conversion or so-called backdoor Roth IRA, whereby you make too much money to to do a straight contribution into a Roth IRA, so you make a deduction to an uh, or excuse me, you make a contribution to a non-deductible traditional IRA and then convert it later. Well, if you've had other money in IRAs, that can create some complexity and some tax, and that might be what you're thinking of as to why there's tax on a Roth IRA. But if that happened, also, it wouldn't just be the state that you live in. They would also you know, uh, tax you on the federal level. And, again, I don't want to go any deeper into that, but I was trying to think of a circumstance whereby Don would think his Roth IRA is being taxed, Peg, and, that's the only thing I could possibly think of. Yeah, I think you're right there, Bruce. I think if it's an IRA, it's of a Roth IRA that you've just contributed to, and now you want to take a withdrawal and you want to go buy a car or something, I just don't see that being taxed by the state that you live in. But I love how you brought up these other variants, which are Roth conversions and backdoor Roths and those kinds of things. Then you may, well, I think you will, you'll run into having the state, depending on where you live, uh, tax some of that as well. All right, let's get back to the text lines. We have uh, phone and text lines open, folks, 651 461 
9226. All right. Lots of questions coming in about Ross, but let's uh, let's look at this one because it sounds like he is very or she interested in your answer. I'm 57. I'm embarrassed to say that I'm way behind on my financial planning. What's my best course of action? Oh, gosh. First of all, don't be embarrassed. Um, you're probably in the majority, not the minority. As Pegway says, people call us five days or five years before they're ready to retire. Um, and then, Peg, let's let's help this, uh, this text here. And then I think we never did uh, get into the text about gifting. So let's, uh, let's kill two birds with one rock here. Okay, well, number one, 57 is extremely young, yeah. extremely young. So when we're doing these financial forecasts, we're going out to 100 years old. So you have plenty of time. Now, you may say, I'm running out of years that I can put my, you know, nuts in the ground or my nuggets and save and all of that, which is, which is maybe true. But people are actually working longer. And um, and even if they quit their or retire from their regular job, they're doing something else and trying to create some income. So don't by any means feel like you're so behind that you want to just, you know, wave the white flag. So it, it, what we do is we, we talk to this to, to a person like yourself and we go through what you have done and look at all the positives. You know, where, where are you, you know, there's people out there, Bruce, that they don't even spend hardly any money. So you've got other resources. Maybe you have social security. Maybe you actually have a pension. Um, and maybe it doesn't seem like that's that large, but everybody's different in that maybe it only takes 2000 a month to live versus 20,000 a month to live. Uh, and we work with uh, clients that have that huge variation uh, because some people just don't need as much money as other people do. So my answer would be we use the same toolkits for people who already are fully prepared as people that are not truly prepared. But I think we also discover uh, things that maybe you aren't even thinking of that might be resources for the long term. Yeah, I'll just add really quickly, um, 57 is not that old. It's not too late. Uh, and, and uh, you know, again, I'm, I can be accused of you know being self-serving or cheerleader for the industry. But if you're 57 and you haven't done financial planning yet, I would strongly encourage you to sit down with a with a professional comprehensive financial planner. Um, I'm, I didn't say Wealth Enhancement Group, although we'd be flattered and honored if you'd consider us, but a good financial planner is going to help you think of things that you would not think of on your own. And, and, and if they're good, they will add value over and above whatever fee that they charge, and that's going to help a lot. Because if you say, I'm 57 and I haven't started yet, what do I do? Peg and I could spend a whole radio show talking about, you know, what you should do, the step one, step two, step three. But you're really going to want to probably, I think, sit down with a professional. And then, and then Rashini, I don't know if you still got it there, but you did throw out a question about gifting earlier. And I don't want to ignore that person. We ended up taking a Don's phone call and we never answered. Can you, you still have it? Yes, it was a fabulous question. It was about some of the tax consequences as you're gifting. Uh, Johnny says, gifting strategy, specifically tax ramifications to both the giver and the recipient. 
right? Yeah, I like that one. So, so the rule is, uh, if I am the gifter and I, I, I actually can give $15,000 to anybody that I want, um, basically, if I took some money that was already after tax, let's just say I have it in my savings account. Bruce, I could give you fifteen thousand. I could give Rashini fifteen thousand. I could give Devin fifteen thousand. It's endless, and I can gift that. And there's no tax consequence for me, and there's no tax consequence for you guys as a recipient. Now, um, there are rules, you know, about um, how much we can actually die with. So right now we can die with each $11,700,000 without having any gift estate tax at the end. And then each state that you live in, like right now the state of Minnesota, we can each die with $3 million. So I'm giving all this money away to you guys. And, um, but if I give more than 15 to anybody, then I actually have to file a form with the federal government called a 709 and say, hey, I'm using part of my 11 million seven while I'm alive. There's another way that you can gift, and often our clients do this, where they've got stock that they have low basis in. So if you bought a stock for a dollar and now it's worth a hundred dollars, you can actually transfer that stock and gift it to somebody. And a lot of our clients do that and they'll give it to their kids. Well, then the, the recipient, if they were, they can hold that stock and keep that low basis. But the minute they sell it, then they're liable for that top tax, uh, the capital gains tax from that basis to what the value is um, at that time. You cannot gift IRA money, you know, at all. You can't, I couldn't even say, Bruce, I'm going to give you 15000 of my 401k at work, or I'm going to give 15000 of my IRA at work. I would actually have to cash that in first and then give you after-tax dollars. So I guess what I'm saying is it depends on what type of gift you want to give, whether the giver or the receiver is going to have tax. Uh, Peg, that's a great answer. The only thing I'm going to add, just, just for point of clarity, this 15000 per year per person literally means per year per person. So here's an example. We've got uh, a mom-and-pop client, and they're very well off, and they're, they're loving parents, and they want to uh, you know, provide while they're alive, not just after a legacy after they're gone, uh, which is estate planning, but while they're alive, they want to help kids. So the, their married son, they can each – gift 15,000 to their married son and they can each gift 15,000 to married son's wife or daughter-in-law for a total of 60,000 in a year without any tax consequence to either party. Now, again, most of the people listening right now don't have the economic wherewithal to do that level of gifting, but that's what's legally allowed 15,000 per year per person with no tax consequence. All right. Shall we take some? Oh, we, I, we do have, I think we have a call coming in. Let's try to get to our caller first. Uh, otherwise, we do have uh, quite a few texts here. Uh, okay, let's get to the text because we have some very interesting questions. Uh, question for both of you, Peg and Bruce. In setting up a backdoor Roth IRA, 
One, does pro rata rule apply when my contributions are post-tax? And two, how long does my contribution need to sit in the traditional IRA before I move it back into the the, the backdoor Roth? I knew I was going to regret picking, bringing up. Yeah, Bruce, Roth. you answer this one. This is a this is a lot. Yeah, um, I, well, so the the second part of it, I don't know that there's uh, a time limit that it has to sit in the traditional IRA. The first part of it. Uh, where prorating comes in, it, Peg, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not an issue if if this non-deductible IRA is your only IRA, traditional IRA, um, then I don't think you have a problem. But if you have other IRAs prior to doing this contribution to a non-deductible with the intent of converting it to Roth, that's where you get into you've got to consider the the dollars that you have in other IRAs, but I don't remember the formula. You could probably answer that better than I did. Well, one of the things that I do is I try to keep the backdoor Roth separate from the actual um, contributory Roths. And uh, and, and just to keep everything really clean. Now, the pro rata uh, part, I'm not real familiar with. But what I can tell you is most listeners might be going, what is this backdoor Roth thing you're talking about? Well, there's a there is in the tax code, uh, you can all of us can contribute to a non deductible IRA. And what does that mean? I could take after tax money and uh, put it into a non-deductible IRA, and there isn't any income limitation on doing that. But I forgive doing a Roth, and I forgive doing a um, a regular IRA. And if I choose to do this non-deductible, then my growth will be tax-deferred, unless I convert that to a Roth IRA, which you can do. Now, you've already put the after-tax money in there. It was just that the growth was tax-deferred, but you'd love to get it tax-free if you could get it to compound. So one of the things you have to do is when you think about that is when you pull out those dollars. And when you pull out those dollars, if you have traditional IRA funds, you have to pull a pro rata share of those uh, regular IRA funds, too, and pay the tax. I would say, Bruce, it's very complicated, and we go through the whole rules and show the clients what you know what's possible and what isn't possible hard to give it all get it all on the show in grand detail yeah i shouldn't have brought it up rashimi all right yeah we're cutting it close and sorry we didn't get to all of our callers and all the texts but as you know bruce and peg are there for you during the week call 888 advice and leave your question or email them your money at wealthenhancement.com. And then, of course, you can tune in every Sunday and get your questions answered live. Peg and Bruce? Well, Rashini, we're going to miss you. I will miss yeah, you both, we're too. we're going to miss you. This, this, for those who didn't know, I'm sunsetting all of my duties on Sundays at WCCO Radio. So this is my last Your Money. Susie Jones will be joining Peg and Bruce next Sunday. Make it a great week. The previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey Inc.